time now for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Good morning and welcome. As you just heard from Blake himself to The Breakfast Show, you are listening to 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. And this morning, you're joined by Lawson and... Blair, not Lyle. Not Lyle. Lyle's out, but he's he'll be back. He'll be back, you know, yeah. next week, sometimes, ho- hopefully. He said he's down in Sydney at the moment. I have no idea what he's doing down there, but he said he's, he said he's stuck down in Sydney. Good on him. Uh, but also, we have producer Shanna, you know, driving driving the ship, getting it done. Look uh, at While Shell's out as well, producer Shell, for, I believe, currently undisclosed reasons. That could be really good news it's, or bad news. It could be good news or bad news. I know what it is, but I can't disclose. So, so guys, you know... You have a grin on your face. So I feel like it's right. got to be good it's, news. It's a good thing. It's a good <laughs> thing. But, guys, you know... We are glad to be here getting the show done this morning. Blair, what are you grateful for? Oh, so many things. I've been, uh, this week we had a spot of sunshine. Yes. Uh, there's been rain too, but I got sunshine earlier on in the week. Uh-huh. Got out in the, had a walk, got some fresh air. Mm. So nice mm-hmm. to have some sunshine when there's been so much rain lately. Yes, correct. There has been, and you know, looking out the window this morning, it's pretty overcast. It is. Uh, but you know, Praise God, we've had some time, yeah, totally, to get out. It's been really, really good weather. I am incredibly grateful. I saw an osteopath yesterday who laid me on the table and sorted out my back problem. Well, you know, told me some stuff that was wrong and told me some exercises and some stretches that I need to do to fix it. But, yeah, fantastic time yesterday, just laying on the table, getting it done. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're getting into it. You know, it's still... I, I love that we still have the window open and we can see outside and it's bright and, and whatnot, even though it's a little bit overcast. But right now, we are going to get into our first question for the quiz. And actually, guys, this is some of your last opportunities to get in because we'll be doing the draw at the end of today. Well, it's what a fantastic rash, um, motivation to send a text in <laughs> to get, get an answer in, to get mm-hmm. your name in the draw. The question that we're going to put out to, right now is a fill-in-the-blanks question. Okay, be careful with this, because I have multiple times I've said the verse oh. and then just said the answer. <laughs> but, yeah, go for it. That's bro. a rookie error, man. Yeah. All right, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4 says, He that observes the wind shall not blank, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not blank. Ooh. Two blanks. you got to fill it in. The number that you can text into is 0491064669. And the prize that is up for grabs this week is the KJV Study Bible with Mark Finley Notes. Mm-hmm. Fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. And an accompanying book, Answers to Difficult Bible Texts, that I've been assured by Lyle is his go-to book. We have one right here in the studio. Sitting, I'm sitting in Lyle's chair this morning. It's right beside me. It is fantastic. You want to get your name in the drawer for that. Mm. So that question again, Ecclesiastes 11.4, He that observeth the wind shall not blank, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not blank. Mm-hmm. If you think you know the answer to that, text it into our number 0491064669. Amazing. Blair, what's happening in the world of positively different news? Well, we've had some amazing news breaking this week. In headlines this week, uh, which has been all over, I'm mm. sure perhaps some of our listeners have seen it, uh, the 
amazingly chuffed tradie Ned Brockman finished yes. his 4,000 kilometer yes. run for charity. And he started off in, um, per- uh, in Perth, it was. Yeah. And he ran all the way to Sydney. Yeah. Which is crazy. Absolutely insane. On Monday, he arrived in Sydney and he met, you know, crowds of cheering, all of the supporters. He'd aimed to do it in 40 days. Uh huh. Um, didn't quite make the 40 day, uh, goal. He ended up doing it in 47 days, mm-hmm. but he does, he, he, did, he didn't worry about that. He wasn't worried because, mm-hmm. um, his goal of raising funds for homelessness, he raised mm-hmm. over $1.5 wow. million. Wow. That's a lot of money. That is an incredible amount of money. That's insane. Yeah. But he is doing an incredible feat. Which, with his feet, which none of us I think, can do. Yes. <laughs> like, that's, that's, I go out for 5Ks. I'm like, you know, by K6, I'm oh, like, like, if I, if you I, would not have made it. I'm, I'm like, oh. Man, that is that is amazing. You would not have made it because this this he, he was hitting days uh, on average running for ten hours a day with yeah. over a hundred kilometers each day. <laughs> Insane! Like this guy is probably running in the night time, yeah, uh, or getting up really early. Um, That's you right. Know. Insane. Well, the reason he couldn't crack the 40 days, because he wanted to go for the record, but the reason he couldn't crack it is because of injuries, um, which is, if you're running that much, is so prevalent, particularly yeah, injuries with his, his feet and, and whatnot. Uh, and so there were times where he would rest in the morning. He did run every single day. He would rest in the morning. And, you know, get like cortisone injections or something to hold his ankles together and then go out and just like, you know, if he hasn't made his 100Ks or whatever it was for the day, then he'd be like, all right, well, going out at nighttime. And then just, just, you know, finish up late at night and then jump in the camper and sleep. An absolutely mammoth effort for the young 23-year-old Australian. And, Mm. you know, props to him, kudos to him. Yeah. A great cause getting out there, doing what he can to raise funds for charity. I really love how he answered um, what he's going to do next. He said, uh, obviously, no running. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. Good oh, job. So that, good. That's a bit, yeah, he actually, he needs like, he needs some wheelchair time like to heal his feet. That's what the doctors were saying once he finished. They were like, yeah, dude, you, you need you need to go to hospital. You need to, you need to get sorted out. So that's some pretty amazing news. In other headlines, uh, mm. there have been this. We're moving to Brisbane now. A, mm. a man found uh, incredibly generous act. He found a, a wallet on the street, mm. uh, just jogging along. And again, another runner jogging mm. along, doing his morning exercise. Came across a wallet and couldn't see anyone who you know looked around to see whose it might be. Went into a local apartment to see if it had come from there. No one was claiming it. Took it home to try to find the owner, and when he took it home, opened up the wallet, looked inside, guess how much money was in? A lot. A lot. <laughs> it was like just under four grand of cash in this thing. Did this guy just sell a car or... It was like wads of $100 notes that... sticking out of the wallet. So, I proudly proclaim I haven't carried a wallet or cash for like the last 11 months. Oh, such a, such a millennial. But this guy... Is just found this wallet that is just stacked with cash. So now, obviously, what did he do with it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, this is a this good, is a good news, news story. story. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is a good news story. The police apprehended him. <laughs> <laughs> so in good news, he went on Facebook. He found oh. the driver's license. He found the obvious owner of the wallet, reached mm-hmm. out to them. It was a family, a young family, similar age to this um, jogger 
um, friend of ours mm. and a couple of kids and he reached out to them and returned the wallet with, oh, with four grand cash in it. Amazing. Um, so really nice feel good story. There's, mm-hmm. there's, um, they got some photos together with the families. Uh-huh. And, uh, just what's well, a really warm feel good story. You know, <sighs> How, how nice is it to know that there are still people out there yeah. that will return the wallet when they find it, even if there's wads and wads of cash Yeah, oh, I, mean, I think it's so encouraging to hear stories like this because this week we've been kind of b- bombarded by bad news, particularly uh, personally for Faith FM with the story of Mon and her you know, bus absolutely. going up. Like, just absolutely, basically, yeah, Mon being the victim of just reckless vandalism and People destroying things for no apparent reason. It's like, wow, are people that messed up? But then the see, ugly side of humanity. That's but, right. But then um, we yeah. see a story like this and it's like, guy's out jogging, gets a wallet, has every opportunity to, you know, pocket the money and just run off and throw the wallet away or whatever it may be. But instead, you know, doing an, act, you know, an amazing act of kindness and getting this money back to its owners. Absolutely. And in a final good news story this week, we highlighted earlier on in the week the... Uh, the BirdLife Australia yes. Challenge. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, which is awesome. The Aussie Bird Count. It was there's still two days for that challenge, by the way. Mm-hmm. So if you hadn't got the chance to get in, download the app, the BirdLife Australia app. Get into the Aussie Bird Count. Uh, you can submit checklists, find birds, and help Australia with ecology mm-hmm. and all of that sort of thing. But um, and also have a lot of fun. Bird watching is awesome. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Awesome. I've been working on converting Lawson to bird watching. I think um, you've been working on converting everyone. Yeah. This is this is your new agenda. Uh, like I'm, I'm not quite there yet, Blair. I, well, I haven't gone out bird watching, so I just don't know. Well, this is the week, mate. It's the Aussie bird watch. Let's go out after radio. <laughs> just start counting birds after the breakfast show. Oh, so amazing. The, the 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 news story attached to this. Um, we've already highlighted bird watching this week, but really cool. There has been a competitive bird calling uh, competition mm. that has been revived in the by Bega Valley um, school students, which is really cool. This this was a a bird sounding competition, uh, where which was actually started in the in the early 1900s, 1910, in the Gould League of Bird Lovers, mm. and um, it's just recently been re- revived in the last couple of years. And so the school students come together, they practice bird calls, mm-hmm. and like you know try to imitate. The birds. Yes. <laughs> and then they then they come together and they, they have a, le- a, a legitimate competition over who can do the best one. Okay, so we, we didn't talk about this specific story uh, earlier this week, but we talked about how Lyle's late uncle was actually Australian champion of bird calling seven years running. Get lost. So he, he was the man. He was so good at bird calling... That they disqualified him. They wow. said you can't participate anymore. You're narrowed. You're, I, I you're to, a judge now. I, and he's not around anymore. He's unfortunately I was he's say, not. I'd love to meet this. He's guy. not. He could have given the the students tips, but he's not around. But these guys are just getting into it. They're just wanting to get the bird calls done. Absolutely, it's really cool. The bush kids, it's um, uh-huh. are the ones that are really succeeding really well and uh-huh. showing the city kids up, which is pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know. Uh, Do you have any ability for that, Blair? Are you out, you know, when you're trying to find birds, you out like... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you know? I, I won't give a demonstration right now. Ah, but, okay. But absolutely, yeah, you know, um, it's called... Um, Fishing, like uh-huh. you make a certain sound and then imitate the birds. You, can, you have apps these days where you can play playback. Uh-huh. You can play the bird song and it pulls them in. But I like to go old school and do it with my 
own mouth. With your own mouth. Dude, and, and has that taken like an amount of practice or are you just a natural? Oh, yeah. It takes time. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, you'll get there. It's, it's a real Padawan. skill that you need to <laughs> develop. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You're listening to The Breakfast Show this morning on Faith FM, and it has come time for another question for the quiz. Absolutely. The question, the second question, how many children did Hannah have after Samuel? Mm. She had Samuel, then mm. she had other children. How many mm-hmm. did she have? Um, you want to get uh, a text and answer into this because today we are drawing the amazing prize the KJV Study Bible, the Answers to Difficult Bible Texts. You want to get your hands on those. You can text the answer in to 0491-064-669. And that question again, how many children did Hannah have after Samuel? Mm. If you think you know, text in and get your name in the draw. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text in the world of breaking news. Well, breaking overnight, uh, yeah, the, the the parliament of the UK is just absolutely falling apart uh, with the resignation of Liz Truss after 44 days of being prime minister. You know, I'm getting some deja vu about Australia. Yes, a few I'm, I'm years like, ago. when did the UK become Australia? Because <laughs> because they're just cycling through prime we went, ministers. We went now. through this, didn't we? We yeah. had a whole episode. Well, well, oh. well, essentially, here in Australia, in the throughout the 2010s, I, th- I don't think a single prime minister finished their term. That's like great. every single prime minister, uh, none of them resigned. No, they got um, they all got ousted. leadership. <laughs> spilled and and ousted, but yeah, Liz Truss, uh, the current Prime Minister of the UK, uh, has just decided. Yep, yeah, um, had enough. I'm, I'm packing it up. I'm calling it quits. It but would be a tough job. It would be an incredibly There's a tough lot of pressure. Job. I'm sure she's yeah. probably just had a go at it and seen. Hey, this is this is a yeah. bit. I mean, I don't know the reason. You read the headline, but what mm. what reasons did she give? Well, essentially, seeing party divide. And seeing the, like, which is what led to her becoming Prime Minister, seeing party divide and and seeing the incredibly tumultuous position that the the UK is in right now, particularly with the war in the Ukraine and the energy crisis, she just believes that she's not up to leading the party through it. And so she has decided, she has decided to, yeah. Get out of there. Well, so they're, they're obviously going to put someone else in, in the next few days. That's right. Uh, she will be acting as Prime Minister until the end of the month where they will chair a meeting uh, to select a new leader. That's going to be on the 28th of October. So just you know, uh, in a week's time, they're going to be putting someone new in. And there's currently lots of talk about who should go in. And and I don't know if many of our listeners are up with UK politics and we could do a profile of each one of them. But essentially, I think the real thing here is that we just need to pray. That was one of the one of the MPs said, Claire De Silva. She said, one of the things we can do as Christians is praying for the right person. Kind of sounds like relationship advice as well. Uh, <laughs> but no, Claire De Silva, you know, uh, one of the the leaders of the Conservative um, Party, that one of the spokesperson uh, for St Albans. She just said, look, we need to be praying. We Absolutely, need to be, great advice. We need to be letting God lead in our decision. Obviously, like Liz Truss stepping down, and if she recognizes that she's not the right person, I think the best thing to do is to step down. But I'm, I'm like respect, like respect to yeah, Liz Truss. Take some guts to do that. To to just say about herself, look, I can't do this. 
And so I'm going to leave that's it to humility. someone who can. I'm, I'm like, that's that's fantastic. So good on her. But, uh, yeah, in terms of selecting a new leader, there's people from, from all sides who are trying to get their names in the hat, obviously, as a politician. That's kind of where you would like to be is, is leading the party. Um, but, yeah, let's just pray that they can find someone who will lead the UK prosperously. And I, I think I sit here as a Christian looking at a nation like the UK, looking at an area like Europe where, you know, you've got this slew of pr- formerly Christian nations who have mostly turned to secularism. And all we can do is just pray for someone who still gives us opportunity to share the gospel there whilst we still can because eventually we won't be able to. Mm. Jesus is coming back soon. We need to pray uh, that we will still have opportunity to share the gospel. And then even if we don't, even if another MP comes in, a, a new prime minister, and completely rescinds and restricts that ability, we just need to pray that the gospel will continue. Absolutely. And, and under persecution, the gospel will go out. But Absolutely. Yeah, you know, the Bible is very clear in First Timothy chapter 2, pray for kings and men in power. That is what we are called to do as Christians. So let us pray for the UK and, and who... What an important position to fill in. And, you know, there has been, a, a, I suppose you could say, a resurgence of family values in some of the politicians over, yeah. I think, the, the Italy... PM or president mm. or the new lady that put in, she seemed to have quite strong family values mm. and focus on. So there is a great need for family values, mm. traditional Christian values in mm. our nations. Yes. So absolutely, call to prayer. Yeah. I'm with you. 100%. Hey, another story. I was talking about a pastor who's going to, who's facing jail time. And now we've heard lots of stories about pastors you know, facing jail time for various different reasons. And, and we come here on here on Faith FM and we're like, no, you know, defend our pastors because often they're going out doing the work of the gospel and as a result, they're being faced with jail time. Mm. Now, this pastor, he's a Baptist minister from Louisiana uh, named Charles Southall III, is facing jail time over, over stealing dollars from his congregation. Oh, no. Oh, so, you don't mess with the Lord's money. That's right. That, well, that's the, the two gold rules of ministry. Or the Lord's women. Yes, don't <laughs> mess with the Lord's money or the Lord's women. Uh, this guy has, yes, he has admitted it as well, uh, but he's still going through a number of court hearings as to, you know, uh, appealing to what the process should be. He's been ordered to... Give back repay the, money, the money, repay the money. But there is also potential jail time of up to 10 years. I mean, that's a lot of money to, to take out of the offering this basket. Is, this is like kind of grand larceny, like siphoning of money. You know, th- this amount of money, if if he was an employee of a company stealing this amount of money, he would end up in jail. That must be, it must have been over a long period of time to That's be right. able to yeah. hide that. You know, $900,000, there was a few different sources that he stole the money from. It was firstly from the congregation themselves. It was from a ministry uh, that they were running called the Spirit of Excellence, which was kind of a teaching school. Uh, and then finally, um, $110,000 um, from others who were, who were victimized and he kind of scammed, you know, just hitting up people and saying, hey, I'm in a bind, you know, don't tell anyone, can you give me some money? Yeah, this is this is a gnarly story, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, 0491064669, because there is the potential of jail time here. You know, he's definitely going to have to give back the money. Uh, He will pay back the money. Now... Maybe four times. 
Yeah. Like Zacchaeus. I, I, that's, my thought is now the church could step up and say, well, if he pays back the money, we're willing to forego uh, the jail time that he could potentially receive. But I'd like to know from our listeners. And the reason they would do this is in the name of grace and, you know, looking after their former pastor, trying to extend an edifying hand to him. But what do you guys think? If, if a pastor embezzles a church of $900,000, maliciously stealing money, do you think that that person should have to go to prison? Interested in the thoughts from our listeners. Because any company, any other company on earth, would would send them. You're done. You, they're, yeah. You're gone. But I'd love to know from the listeners what you guys think. 0491-064-669. Yeah, should this guy... And, and this is just a tragic story. You know, hearing about a pastor just totally overtaken by greed and, uh, yeah, just committing a terrible crime. Finally, I have a story from Iran. Uh, now, I uh, pastors being jailed in the Middle East is something that is far... More common, and usually for reasons that aren't stealing money, usually for reasons of... Persecution. Persecution, sharing the gospel. Now, this pastor from Iran was actually jailed in Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan has one of the fastest-growing house church movements in the world. The gospel is exploding over there. Uh, Azerbaijan has kind of positioned themselves as a country. They're not an Afghanistan, you know, run by the Taliban and just killing Christians and doing all those kinds of things. Uh, But they are definitely uh, gospel hesitant. And they uh, basically, this pastor, along with a couple of other people, were sentenced to 10 years in jail for acting against national security through forming and establishing illegal house churches. So basically, they started churches in their homes and they were jailed for 10 years as a result. Now, a fire broke out in the jail that he was in as a result of a riot. And uh, they ended up released. They were like, okay, this jail is overcrowded. Crazy things are happening. We're going to release certain prisoners that we don't see as risks. And this guy was one of them who was released. Wow. And so now he has gotten out and has the ability to, you know, continue to share the gospel. And I God see this bless as, him. as an amazing miracle. I'm like, just because a fire breaks out in a prison doesn't mean you should release all the prisoners. <laughs> but to have a situation where the pr- prisoner that they release is definitely the right one and now has the ability to go out and share the gospel. This is an amazing answer to prayer. And I'm sure there've been a slew of people praying for this guy while he's being in prison. So you're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You are listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM and Blair. We're going to have another question for the quiz. Last opportunities to get in. We are, we'll, we'll be drawing the prize at 8.45. So you have about now. We'll have a few more questions. Listen out for them. Get in. You don't want to miss out. It's a good prize this week. Correct. We've got the Mark Finley KJV Study Bible mm. and the Answers to Difficult Bible Texts by mm. Pastor Joe Cruz. Absolutely worth checking out. Mm. So the question... For you to get your name in the draw for that prize is this. In a parable, a man sought for fruit but found none on what kind of tree? Ooh. The number you can text into if you think you know the answer to that question is 0491-064-669. And you're going in the draw for those wonderful prizes. And that mm. question again in a parable, a man sought for fruit, but found none. What sort of tree was it? Mm. 
If you think you know, text the answer in or call it. Give us a call. That's right. 0491-064-669. But this morning we have come to our interview time for today and we are talking to Byron Newstratton. Byron, are you there? I'm certainly here. Yes, I am. Ah, amazing. Well, we're continuing on with our series in Genesis. Usually it's Lyle uh, discussing, but this morning you have Lawson as Lyle is uh, out, you know, frolicking in Sydney or whatever he's doing. Uh, And we're we're picking up the story in Genesis chapter 42. Correct. Yes. Amazing. This is like, to me, this is is the, the real peak of Genesis in terms of its storytelling abilities. I feel like it really just starts to enter into movie territory of how epic these stories are, how amazing, you know, th- their conclusions are, how much drama, uh, you know, just high tension. And particularly when we get to 42, we have, you know, continuing on with the, the amazing story of Joseph now being elevated to one of the prime ministers of mm. Egypt and having this interaction with his brothers. It's fascinating, isn't it? Here he is. He's probably about 38, 39 years of age. Mm. He hasn't seen his brothers for some, well, what we say, 22 years. And and, and they're marvelous. They don't, of course, uh, recognize him. And you wouldn't expect that because Joseph looks very Egyptian, mm. uh, unlike them. And uh, the... Uh, expectation of him being in a powerful position like that would not have entered their mind. Mm. And of course, he also speaks a foreign language. He uh, is using an interpreter, Mm. but he perfectly understands every single word, every bit of discussion that they have amongst themselves. And that must have been some experience. Yeah. Oh, just incredible. And we see throughout the chapter when they're discussing amongst themselves and particularly when they start to, you know, admit their guilt, Joseph yeah. being able to understand them, turning aside and weeping because he, he full well understands what they're saying. And this situation is just so dramatic to him. It's just so overwhelming. But this story charts starts off in chapter 42 with essentially Jacob seeing that the land is this barren, seeing that uh, they have no food and saying to his sons, hey, what are you guys doing? <laughs> Go and get us some food. Yeah, it's time for action. They, uh, there's a pattern there in the, uh, in the Middle East uh, at times. When the rains fail, they have to go to Egypt, which is dependent on the overflow of the Nile, the annual overflow mm. of the mountains of Abyssinia. And uh, so it's fertilized, and normally there is food production there. And uh, this is no uh, exception at this time, plus the fact all the storage of the food that Joseph had done through the seven good years. Mm. So it became known that that's the place to go. There's no choice. They have to go down to Egypt. Mm. Not uh, unlike Abram or Isaac, not to live there, uh, they just want to collect the food and come back. Mm-hmm. Well, Egypt at that time, yeah, under Joseph's leadership, it's a land of plenty. But it's interesting, following this command to go, all the brothers are like, yeah, sure, let's let's head down there. But there's one brother who's missing. Young Benjamin stays behind, not because he is young. He would have been in his 20s, probably already married with kids. Uh, mm. But being the only other 
reminder of his favorite wife, Rachel, Jacob mm. did not want to let him go. Mm. Yeah, oh, and again, the tension continues amongst the brothers, or at least you you would expect it to, because uh, it was it was this kind of tension, it was this kind of situation that led to well, Joseph's eventual selling into slavery uh, as a result of the favoritism showed by Jacob, and now it's continuing yeah. on into into the life of Benjamin as well. Yeah, Joseph wants to find out. He wants to find out about his brothers. You know, it's a remarkable thing. Mm. There he is. For eight, nine years, he's been having the top job. He could have contacted his family any time he wanted to, mm. but didn't. Mm. He didn't, which is rather remarkable. Uh, mm. Maybe for this end, he just wanted to find out what had happened to the to his brothers, whether they'd be still of the same set of mind. Uh, but obviously wanted to know uh, mm. all about his younger brother and his father. But over the years, he had refrained from contacting them, mm. perhaps for this very purpose, the very meeting that we're looking at this morning. Mm. Well, this meeting gets underway, actually. They they show up in Egypt, and he, he starts to go to great lengths to test their character. The first one is to just accuse them of being spies from another nation who is spying out Egypt, getting ready to attack them. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, that's not very unreasonable. This is probably the era of the Hyksos, mm. who were Asiatic people and infiltrated Egypt and controlled it. Mm. So it was not an unreasonable thing. No, he obviously knew straight away who they were, but they had no idea who he was. Mm. Marvelous, they bowed down in fulfillment of a dream that is described in chapter 37. Mm. Uh, that came to pass. And uh, yes, now he uh, he's carefully listening to everything that they say amongst each other. What an advantage he had. Mm. <laughs> but then absolutely trying to assure Joseph, you know, reading verse 10, it's like, no, my Lord, but your servants have come to buy food. We are all one man's son. We are honest men. We're your servants. We are not spies. <laughs> like, they're, yeah. they're just immediately like, we've come to Egypt, and we're going to see very soon in the chapter that, yeah, they have some residual guilt and shame just even yeah. Being there, they they feel their sense of guilt over what happened to Joseph, not knowing that he's standing there before them, and they are just pleading with him. No, no, we're not spies. Yeah. Marvelous how he uh, uh, first he puts a proposition to them that is unacceptable to them, mm. and they put him in jail for three days uh, because he wants them all to stay bar one to go back and to get the younger brother. And then you full well, Jacob would never let the younger brother go. Mm. So then he varies his proposition and makes it uh, one of them stays behind. The rest goes. And he picks on Simeon. Mm. Simeon's main, you know, in Patriarchs and Prophets, she said that he was the main instigator in doing to Joseph what they did do. Mm. So he knew who to pick. And he bound Simeon before their very eyes. Mm. And I think this is for him a revelation how they might feel about their kinship mm. to their brother. And uh, it's a test, mm. no doubt about it. And uh, then he sends them off with the request to bring the younger brother or else. Mm. Mm. Amazing. Ah, uh, yeah. And again, like Simeon, 
being bound there. You know, they've, yeah. they've got this guilt. They've got this shame amongst them. They're talking amongst themselves. They're like, this, this is because of what we've done. Like, this is, this is because we sold Joseph into slavery. He's probably dead. Yeah. He's probably gone. Uh, yeah, in verse 21, we are truly guilty concerning our brothers. Um, yeah. For we saw his anguish, the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us and we would not hear. Therefore, yeah. his distress has come upon us. Yeah. And this is a remarkable thing, what I find uh, very interesting. For almost 22 years, they have never owed up or confessed mm. their sins to their father. Mm. He still is in the belief mm. that they're guiltless when it comes to Joseph, although they're in the 36th verse, he can just say, you have bereaved me, Joseph is no more, Simeon is no more, and now you want to take Benjamin? No, he can't handle that. He's blaming them, rightfully actually, for Joseph's disappearance, even though, per se, from what he knows, they have no guilt. Mm. Of course they do. And um, he's not risking Benjamin, but ultimately, ultimately, necessity prevails. Because mm. unless they go to Egypt, they are going to die of starvation. Mm. Mm. And I think, like, on the point of their guilt, particularly when they're traveling back to Canaan, uh, you know, in verse 25 to verse 28, we read they're traveling back. They're on their donkeys. Their all their stacks have been restored with grain for their journey before they go, you know, to to go back to Canaan. And they, you know, take a break and they start eating and getting grain out of their sacks. And they realize, wait, all of our money is in our sack. And you know, like I think if most of us were in that position where we saw, oh, our money's actually in there, it would just be a kind of casual thing, like, oh, maybe. I forgot yeah. to pay, or oh, maybe I've been blessed. But for these guys, they're so ridden with guilt when they see yeah. the money in the sack. They're like, "What is God doing to us? Like we are going to be killed by yeah. Joe? Like well, by this great, uh, by this great king of Egypt? We're going to be killed by him when we go back because he's going to realize that we've stolen from them." It's interesting. Yeah, correct. It's interesting that there was only one sack they examined until they came home, and then they looked at the other sacks, and they all had the same problem, the same mm. thing. The money had been returned, and uh, this is quite interesting. And, of course, to them it was a bad omen, no doubt about it. And uh, the guilt the, the guilt that they're all now is just absolutely accumulating. Mm. And uh, it's only going to get worse, and... Uh, all the more reason that they have to be very, very concerned about their next trip to be sustained by the food they could only get in Egypt. Mm. Mm. Well, it's it's amazing. You know, they come back. They finally, they get back to Jacob. They tell him the story. They empty their sacks, as you said. Each one of them, they've got their money in there. And yeah. then Jacob's response in verse 36 after telling them the story. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, it gets too much for him. It gets. This must have been very, very trying for him. <laughs> yeah, and we don't understand claim that uh, between the first and the second time they went to Egypt. Hard to say. Mm. Uh, there's no time frame uh, located in the Bible on this. But uh, one thing for certain, uh, there is no choice. Mm. They have to comply. They have to come back. It's interesting, though, we can deduce, even though we don't know the exact time frame, we can deduce that it wasn't immediately 
Yeah. And so there was even some consideration from Jacob. And, and as we read, Jacob's response to this, you know, you have bereaved me. Joseph is no more. Yeah. Simeon is no more. And you want to yeah. take Benjamin? All these things are against me. When Simeon ends up bound and in prison, there was a period of consideration on Jacob's part where he's thinking, well, do I need to lose another one of my sons in Egypt? Or do we just let it go? Like, do, like Simeon, we're sorry. Yeah. But there's just no choice. But again, the pressure of famine is falling hard on them, and that eventually enables Jacob to allow Benjamin to go with them back to Egypt, because if not, they're going to starve. Yeah, which culminates in the next chapter. It's just marvellous how it all happened, mm. and what a turnaround, what an amazing story it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. It's a great story. Ah, uh, yeah. And I think for me, probably the the real the real clincher moment in chapter forty two is when you read uh, verse thirty seven about Reuben when he speaks to yeah. Jacob. He says, "Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him as, in as my if hands." Jacob would, as if Jacob would uh, in that case. Mm. It's amazing. He means well, Reuben. Yeah. But boy, he. Uh, there you have it, these sons. Uh, Reuben, uh, you know, you, we know what he did. This the concubine that was bad. Mm. Uh, Simeon and Levi, they were not exactly, they were murderers, really, the way they killed the man of Shechem. Mm. The, so that leaves uh, Judah the next in line. And if you look at uh, Judah's, uh, well, uh, what yes. shall we say, uh, his two sons, Ur and Onan, they were known for their bitter, for their wickedness, and they died at an early age. So that was not a good reference either. Mm. Uh, Jacob is in a real predicament. Mm. He, uh, he ends up not having a choice because he will lose. Uh, they will all lose their life. Mm. Well, Byron, amazing. Great to talk about Genesis 42. And I guess we're going to see the climax of this story next time we get together. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.